Hello, Hofstra fans. I'm Stephen Gorchov, the Associate Director of Athletics for Communications here at Hofstra University, and welcome to the Director's Cut, the bi-weekly podcast with Hofstra University Vice President and Director of Athletics, Rick Cole, Jr. This week, after uh, chatting with Rick, we'll also be joined by head women's soccer coach, Simon Ridioff. We really hope you enjoy this week's episode, and tune in. Thanks so much, and go Pride. Hello, Hofstra fans, and we are now joined by the Vice President and Director of Athletics here at Hofstra University, Rick Cole, Jr. Thanks for joining us once again, Rick. Thrilled to be here, Stephen. Well, Rick, it was a great weekend in Hofstra Pride Athletics. Uh, Sunday produced three outstanding results for our teams. Field hockey with a win over Yale. Uh, first volleyball conference win of the year over William & Mary. And then women's soccer uh, defeating Elon. So two CA wins and then a win over a prestigious institution. Uh, your thoughts on what really uh, was really a hopefully a win that pushes some teams towards some greater heights? Well, you know, I, I think that a lot, all of our coaches have uh, great courage in the in the non-conference slate, and I think what that's done is prepared us to to enter into the uh, the tough CAA um, ready to go and and battle tested and ready to play. Hopefully, what will be our best ball as we continue on the regular season and um, work towards obviously, you know, the most exciting season, which is the postseason. And, and obviously that's something we have to earn. Um, you know, a quick note about our field hockey program. I mean, just a great job of our student athletes. They're working hard. They're believing in themselves, you know, win number four and, and really positioning themselves. What I hope, um, you know, a confident athlete is a more successful athlete. Yeah, you already stole my next question like you did last time. <laughs> well, every once in a while I actually pretend like I uh, know what I'm doing here. Um, but you know what? I, you know when you watch our teams and our coaches, and you watch the temperament of our leadership of our coaches and our athletes, is they're looking forward to those moments, and and those are the kind of coaches you want, and those kind of athletes you want. You know, the ones that are up for the challenge and not just looking um, to play the games, but to play the very best competition we can. So it's an exciting time, and glad we had a great weekend. And as our coaches and players will tell you, you know they'll celebrate for a moment and then on to the next. A uh, quick question on each of the ones from the weekend. Men's soccer was off last week, back in action this week. But uh, field hockey uh, fell down one nothing against Yale and comes back to score two goals to win the game. That's when you see something developing with a program. You know, maybe a month ago that game doesn't turn into a win, and now it's turning into a win. Do you kind of see it the same way? Yeah, I think we're doing a better job putting the ball in the back of the net, and I think that last time I checked, that always helps. Um, certainly defense wins championships, but I think when, when a team that had been struggled, struggling to score actually finds a way to score, you know, one win we, we, you know, we were up by two goals and then, you know, the other team scored, but yet we showed um, our resilience and held on for the win, and now um, to come back um, against an athletic program and a field hockey program like Yale, you know, it's an exciting opportunity. I mean, it's a mindset shift. And, and I think that, again, speaking to the confidence of, of our, our student-athletes, when, when you put yourself in a position where that, that is strengthening, good things can happen. And then we move on to the volleyball program. Went to one of the southern trips in the conference, which is always difficult. Uh, Elon and William and Mary. Elon, which looks to be a, maybe the upstart in the league this year right now, uh, dropped a four-set match at Elon before rebounding uh, on Sunday to sweep William and Mary. You, you got to like what you see with the return on Sunday, being able to defeat a team to end the road trip. Sure, there's not a there's not an easy match in the CAA for volleyball. You know, Mary Teller does a great job at Elon and. And and they're ready to play, and we are every we are one of everyone's big matches in the CAA. They are they circle the, 
you know, we're the defending champs, and we're, you know, we're, you know, the championship goes through um, Hofstra this year, being the host, and and it's it's near impossible to run the table, and sometimes you're going to get, you know, come against a hot team, and it, it probably wasn't our best day, um, but that's going to happen. And I do to think that what defines us is how we respond, and and we came out Sunday and responded, you know, and and you know, coach is going to have them up and and ready to respond, and I think our senior leadership will do the same. And we'll obviously talk more in depth with our women's soccer coach later in the show, uh, more so about his program. But over the weekend, just a real dominating win uh, by the women's soccer program, 5 nothing over Elon. Uh, the superlatives are on and on about Simon and his program. But uh, what did you think about the weekend? I thought it was a great win. You know, um, I'm a, it'll be fun to talk to Simon about it because I'm sure he'll go to, yeah, it was a great win, and then quickly go into the thing that we need to work on in the next match. And, you know, that's Simon. You know, I think he'll give credit where credit's due uh, to his opponent and his athletes, but then he's quickly to be the teacher and educator and how do we improve and be ready for the next. Um, so um, we're, I'm excited to get this guy on uh, and start peppering questions at him. Uh, an incredible women's soccer note. Uh, they are 32nd in the RPI already right now. They are more than 50 spots higher than the next highest team in the league. Obviously sets something up for the possible looking ahead to the postseason, but just really a remarkable season developing for uh, his program. You know, Simon teaches us that, you know, everyday behaviors and preparation is is what it's about and I don't think he'll get too caught up in it I think he's going to talk about what's our behavior and practice you know going to look like and what's our prep for our next game and um, certainly we are all excited by that but he'll quickly uh, remind us that how do we finish uh, celebrate the moment but how do we finish it's all in preparation for so I think they're doing good work to date and I think that he'll look to make sure that we're we're maintaining that um, those behaviors well Rick will that's the end of the fall recap until next episode now move on to a few other topics uh before we bring into our bring in our special guest uh men's basketball uh announced the conference announced last week the uh the flow sports flow hoops uh game schedule as well as the cbs sports network games of which hofstra will have three at northeastern home against delaware and home against charleston um i as a director of athletics, you knew how important getting on linear television was for our program and the CA as a whole. Uh, can you speak to uh, the importance of that aspect and how the maybe the flow sports played a role in that? I think it played a pivotal role in it because I think that flow sports has made um, was was and is very interested in being a leadership partner um, with the CAA, and I think because of the investment that. Um, I know that the investment that Flow Sports is making in the CAA and our brand and our team, our players and our member institutions, it provides us with the vehicle to expand on our linear television opportunities. That was very important to the league. The league worked very hard um, on this partnership, and and we're excited to see where it takes us. You know, we are that first um, Division I um, athletics conference to partner with them, and I think we're going to do great things in that partnership. It's another step forward, and I think that when you generate revenue and provide yourself with um, a platform to do more, um, it positions all member institutions um, uh, better in regards to athletics. Yeah, and you talked about the next step forward, and one of the steps forward is to really help uh, getting a linear television package helps to promote the CA two NBA draft picks last year, probable to another two this year. Uh, there's not a lot of leagues that can say that um, 
I guess getting the word out about the conference is one of the key aspects of this television package. There's much, yeah. There's much to celebrate um, from the ba- from the basketball perspectives and to many other perspectives. You know, we have we have many programs, not many programs. We have institutions winning national championships, making you know an impact on the national landscape uh, for for championships. Our basketball programs are are, are competitive. Um, many of the Power Five institutions you know don't want to play the you know members of the CAA because they know it's it's tremendous basketball programs with a great brand um although I know that when we compete against the the top programs in the country we do nothing but help each other so I think we need to continue to tell our story as a member institution and as a CAA and, and any chance we have at a platform like CBS Sports just helps that mission and uh, fans, in addition to men's basketball, women's basketball, there are other Olympic sports also on flow sports, including some fall sports, women's soccer, men's soccer, and volleyball. Uh, the Hofstra Invitational was Hofstra's first uh, events on flow sports. You can sign up easily at flow sports, and the links are all throughout the Hofstra channels and social media channels and more to follow there. Uh, Rick, next topic, um, major announcement in in regards to Hofstra University and our athletic department today, as a former football student athlete, Marcus Colston announced a major gift to the university. Uh, can you talk about how important it is that uh, somebody like uh, Marcus has come back and embraced what this university and this athletic department are doing and is playing such a pivotal role in developing our student athletes? You know, we had the great opportunity to bring some of our football alum back to one of our basketball games last year, and he is an awesome guy. His family, um, just wonderful people that just love Hofstra, and and there you can see that there's such appreciation for what he experienced at Hofstra, um, a genuine regard to his student and his student-athlete experience. And what, it, what he has made perfectly clear is that he just wants to help, and he wants to help student-athletes, and he wants to help students at Hofstra, um, which speaks volumes about who he is. You know, when people give of their time or their treasure, people have choices, right? And he has plenty. He has made an incredible impression down in New Orleans, you know, his hometown, his... But he chooses to be a part of Hofstra. We're excited that he's a part of us. Talked to him a couple weeks ago, and we're looking forward to having him back to campus again soon. Um, You know, he's so modest and so humble, um, and yet demonstrates such value and appreciation for his time at Hofstra. Um, our our alum, um, he's, he's just a great example for us and, and thrilled that we'll be able to continue to work with him and through him help help our students. Well said there. Yeah, just an incredible, you're right, just an incredible alum of this university. Uh, next, po- next thing, next topic, uh, men's and women's basketball tickets are now on sale. Uh, it was just an incredible atmosphere here at the MAC last year. We had three sellouts for men's basketball, just uh absolute astounding increases in ticket sales, corporate sponsorship. Uh, This year's teams really have some excitement brewing about them with Danielle Santos-Atkinson rejuvenating that program and uh, Coach Mihaly kind of just continuing his trend of winning. Um, Can you just talk about how important it is for our fans to stay involved, get involved, and be involved, and uh, what the future holds for these programs? I think, Stephen, you, you can appreciate this. I think there was this change in the climate and culture in the building with each passing game last year. You know, during our last contest, it was just you could not hear yourself think. You couldn't. I mean, it was so loud. The energy was palpable. It was exciting. It was an engaged crowd. Everybody was, you know, just had such a uh, a positive experience um, 
in the MAC. You know, and we talked about that first game packing the MAC, that double header we had last year. We did pack the MAC. We packed the MAC um, thanks to 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 our fans and, and the Greater Hofstra community, both on campus and off. You know, we did pack the MAC and pack the MAC often. And I think people are really energized by what's going on. Um, you know, sure, certainly we're optimistic. You know, Coach Mahalik will tell you, uh, you know, all, all the reasons, you know, what we have to be careful of and this. But I know he's excited to get going. I mean, going down and watching their first practice, the energy. I mean, and I like our team. You know, I like our guys. I like our staff. You know, they're just a great group of folks. And, and Danielle um, Atkinson is just, you know, I mean, we're so excited about the energy she brings and, and her staff and her athletes are, you know, so energetic. And, you know, that's going to be the pendulum will continue to swing there in, in the positive direction. And, and we're looking forward to all the great things she's going to do. But the messaging simple, you know, f- we are that environment is because of all that jo- of all that join us every day in the MAC. You know that's that's our campus, that's our that's our fans, that's our alumni, that's the basketball enthusiast on Long Island um, and the Greater New York area. It's just such a great brand of college basketball. Um, you know we we can't wait to, wait to get started and pack the MAC um, often. And we invite our fans to bombard Mike Neely, 516-463-9522. Email him, michael.p.neely at hofstra.edu. He'll be happy to answer any questions you might have, right? 100%. And if you start talking to him about the show, The West Wing, you'll have him on the, the, the call for about a half hour. So buy tickets. Talk to them, and if there's anything you need and, and, and have any other issues, let us know because certainly um, our program is your program. Well, thanks for the first half of the podcast, Rick. And we'll be back with our special guest today, head women's soccer coach, Simon Ridioff. Well, welcome back, Hofstra fans. And we are now joined by our special guest, first ever guest, Rick, of the uh, Director's Cut. Uh, Your thoughts on uh, bringing uh, head women's soccer coach, Simon Ridioff, onto the show? Well, I think the thoughts are, I think people need to get to know a little bit more about Simon. I mean, all we ever talk about is, is, is how exceptional he is as a coach and all he does with his women's soccer program, and I think we'll do that. But I think we're also uh, going to have a little bit of fun as people get to know uh, the other side uh, to coach. Yeah, I mean, I, you didn't ask me to make some fun questions up because I went to college with him, so I can help there if you need. I think we're going to leave that period of his life uh, to himself for the most part, but um, I've, I've got some fun questions and uh um, before we get into um, why and what he does in the soccer perspective, uh, I'm a food-based individual coach. So um, at one NCAA meeting, they did an icebreaker that they asked people, if you were a meal, what would you be and why? So there's your first curveball, coach. If you were a meal, what would you be and why? Oh, that is an interesting one. Probably a... Uh a state-of-the-art burger, cheeseburger, plain and simple. Not fish and chips? I'm not, I don't like seafood much, so um, a burger's kind of a staple in it. Everybody likes a burger, and it's not too fancy or anything, so I'll take a burger. Well, we'll throw some more fun questions in as the uh, interview develops, but now we learned what to uh, buy you for dinner if you need anything. So, Simon, you, you've now been at Hofstra. I believe this is year 14 off the top of my head as a head coach, and then another five as the assistant, or no? More than that, actually. Ten, yeah. Sorry. Math was off. And a student athlete here. So it's since 1992? 1990. 1990. Wow. So 
I guess the first question is just to get it rolling. Why Hofstra? Why continually Hofstra? Why continually Hofstra again? Um, it's an interesting story. Me, uh, Richie Nutto recruited me, unfortunately. Sorry about that. <laughs> Richie Nutto recruited me. And I told him no about a thousand times. Um, I wasn't planning on coming to America. Uh, you know, nothing too fancy about America. I was quite happy staying at home. And then eventually he came and visited my house. And uh, when he left, my dad told me I had to go. So uh, basically packed my bags and came to America. And it's been over since then, I guess. Little known fact, you and Richie are from the same town, correct? That's correct, yes. Did you know that, Rick? I did, but what was that town again? Barnsley. It's uh, north of England. It's in between Sheffield and Leeds. So what do you miss most about home? I actually don't miss that much. Uh, Hopefully none of my uh, English people are listening. Um, Yeah, I miss miss the community base. I miss the family. Uh, But America is my home now in Long Island, and... I love Austria and everything that Long Island gives me, so uh, don't miss England one bit. You just used the word, I love Hofstra. Uh, what, where does that love come from and what, why, why is it so strong? You, you continually bring it up, and obviously we're very close friends, but you always talk about it. Uh, how have you developed that love and where does it just come from? Well, again, when I got here at 18, uh, the players at Hofstra were so welcoming and and generous with the time and uh, efforts to make me comfortable. And from then on, it's just grown. Uh, The custodians are super helpful. The secretaries, the other coaching staff, the administration. You know, even people on the other side of campus, we had Kay Prinito, who was our financial aid officer. She was a a tremendous help back then. Um, So I've always felt loved. And I've always felt that people look after each other at Hofstra, and and I've tried to continue that same vein as well. So it's just a special place for me, and I've been here 29 years now, so more more here than I have been in England. So uh, that's always my note about you. Yeah, it's uh, it says a lot of my what I think of Hofstra, and hopefully I'll spend the next 20 years here as well. Well, we certainly hope you spend the next 20 years here as well. Um, you know, you've, you know, it's no secret, and well, maybe just to the folks out there listening, that, that many people would like you to be their soccer coach, and, and we, we sure are um, lucky that you continue to be, to be ours. My question, you know, which I always find interesting when I tell the story of you, is, is how you've been able to be so successful at Hofstra. Um, over the long haul, not just a one-hit wonder, um, but there's something unique about how you know Hofstra and how you know how to build a winning culture academically, athletically. Your, your, your student-athletes do great things off the field. But talk a little bit about, um, and you'll be humble, I'm sure, in your response, but what's, the, what's in the secret sauce of how you know how to succeed here so well and for so long? Well, I think I think it's it's a simple recipe. I think if you love something, and I love Hofstra, and I love coming to work, I love the people I work for, I love the people I work with, I think people feed off that. 
and the feed of that positivity I have towards the university in all aspects. So when I'm recruiting, which is a huge part of the job, it's an easy sell for me. Um, so so that, that's the first part. Recruiting is obviously a huge part of the, uh, the job. And if I, can, uh, if I believe in a product, then the recruits will believe me and the parents will believe me. And on top of that, I've been surrounded by tremendous uh, coaches. I've got a fantastic staff right now. I've had fantastic staffs. And uh, I've been able to delegate a lot of responsibility to them and obviously lead in a, a different way as well. So I think the bottom line is if you're true to who you are and you're genuine in, in your response towards the university, then it's an easy easy sell to, to develop successful, promising programs. You know, you are so soccer-driven, right? I mean, you are you do it 24-7, seven days a week, 365, and that might be a tad of an exaggeration, but not by much, right? It's your, it's it's certainly part of the fabric, uh, the mo- the large part of the fabric of you you are, um, but certainly your family is you know terrific and and. And your wife knows Hofstra. And birthday yesterday, too. It was, and we wished her a happy birthday. And I'm going to get to his social media in just a little bit because he does that extremely well. Um, but let's, I want to know, I want you to share a little bit uh, more about outside of your soccer world, what do you do? What do you enjoy t- to do? Um, and, and nothing uh, other is not going to be a, a suitable answer because I do know how much time because you're always here. But tell us a little bit about you outside of soccer. Well, there's not much not much about me outside of soccer. I, I play on a local men's league, uh, which takes up my social time. Um, I spend a lot of it w- with my kids, you know, following them. My daughter's a soccer player, so I go and watch her. Um, my sons are doing different activities, wrestling and, and cross country. So whenever I've got time to spend with them, I try and do that. And then everything else is functioning around Hofstra. My, my friends I made at Hofstra, uh, other teams at Hofstra. I like to come and watch some other teams and support other, t- uh, other programs. And, and that's pretty much it. I don't really have any, uh, any other hobbies or anything. I just watch soccer and read books on soccer and spend time with my family. And that's about it. Your wife, uh, Heather, who was a former student athlete here, an Iron Man as well. Yeah, she's a, a tremendous. She's the athlete in the family. Unfortunately for me, um, she's she's just did a ten k last week and did seven thirty minute pace, which is impressive considering she's been off injured for six months. So she's she's training now for the New York Marathon and she's doing the Lake Placid Triathlon, um, Ironman next uh, summer. So. She'll be busy preparing for that, and I'll be busy taking the kids, supporting her. So it's a fun weekends for her, not so much for me and the kids. But we we love to support. So I, I, I like a follow up. You know, as a as a as a dad, you know, and, and in this business, it's always interesting to go to our children's athletic contests, regardless of whether it's the sports you're the expert at or not. Speak to that a little bit. What's that like? You know, uh, balancing the you know just being the dad and being the supporter and, and actually, you know, trying to find a way to hide because I'm sure everybody, when you walk to a soccer field, wants to know your thoughts, opinions, and, and strategies. But, but when you're looking through that lens as a, as a dad on the, on the sidelines, uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, 
It's a, it's a tough balance because you see so many over the years when you're coaching in the youth youth system, you see so many kids quit playing because their parents are overbearing or demanding. And unfortunately, I've probably gone the other way. Um, I've allowed my kids to not not pursue it as passionately as I did. And uh, in many regards, I've probably done them a disservice because I've seen so many parents destroy their kids. So I'm, I'm kind of laid back. I don't, I don't yell at them. I don't cheer them. I just kind of sit on the sideline. I'm sure some parents think I'm obnoxious because I don't involve myself with conversations. Um, probably think I'm a bit snooty. But I just, you know, I like to just observe my kids running around and having fun. I don't want to critique, critique them. I don't want to critique the coach. It's really irrelevant to me as long as they're having fun. So some, you know, some parents will are a little bit over the top, um, but I try and avoid conversations when it relates to sports and college and and what they expect or hope for their daughter or son. It's just it's I'm here to look after my kids and support them, and and that's about it really. You, uh, you've had a lot of great teams. You've had a lot of great players, uh, and you've had much of the time both at the same time how, how does your program and you as the leader of your program define greatness uh here at Hofstra it's I don't know if you know I think greatness is something social media people and SIDs like to throw the throw wow around. taking shots at me now <laughs> you know great greatness is, it, I don't I don't consider us great I consider us a very well organized program we was who's experienced quite a bit of success at our level. Uh, you know, to be great, you have to be the number one, and we have in the conference quite often, but not in the nation. So I think a great program is something where the alumni are proud of what you're accomplishing. Um, they're constantly communicating with you. Players are coming back on a, a regular basis. Um, the players respect where they are and what they're doing while at Hofstra, and and there's a good good positive energy around the program in all aspects, and I think we've got that. You know, my alumni are, are super supportive. Um, they always come to games on random games and show up with their kids. And Does it really help with your alumni? Sorry to interrupt there. How you've been so associated with the program from almost its inception. Yeah, I've, I've known every year of the women's soccer program. Uh, you know, when they first came, I think it was 92. So I'd, I was already a junior when, when the soccer program was uh, begun. And so I know all those guys, and my wife knows a lot of them. And, and then I've obviously coached for the last 25, uh, 20 years uh, the women's program so I, I know all the alumni and I think that allows them to to feel a certain connection to me and the program and uh, they're all invested which is fantastic from from my perspective and I think that that is probably the proudest thing about it is not the wins and losses and the championships it's the fact that people are still engaged in in Hofstra and want to come back and want to support. Rick little known fact I'm, I'm thinking you know this former facilities uh, worker uh, were you a coordinator at the, after your graduation? Yeah, I was a grad assistant in uh, the swim centre. For Mr. Bloom was my boss. 
Ann Coombs was my second boss, and then I had uh, Chris Burroughs and Varick Boyd. Varick Boyd played football for Hofstra in, uh, in the 90s as well, so uh, fun times. Um, those two years were probably the best two years of my life, I think. I thought you were about to say the best two years of athletic facilities lives. <laughs> well, yeah, um, I'm not sure about that, but we had, we had a lot of good times back, back in those days. So ultimately, we have Mr. Bloom to blame. I mean, give credit as you graduated and, and transitioned here and then went to soccer. Yeah, I, uh, I used to work, work facilities for the four years while I was an undergrad. And that started with a, a guy called Phil Vangeli, who was the grad assistant who played lacrosse here. And then, uh, then Varick Boyd obviously enjoyed my company while I worked with him and he pushed Mr. Bloom to hire me. Um, there were some rocky steps in those couple of that first couple of months with Mr. Bloom, but uh, he gave me a couple of opportunities to correct myself, and he was fantastic. And uh, I'm still connected to Mr. Bloom in a big way. Did he thank you during his Hall of Fame speech? Uh, he did mention me, I believe, in in uh, his his support of people who used to go through the program, and he follows our success and is proud of what we've managed to accomplish as former GAs, yes. There was a few tears during Mr. Bloom's speech. Well, Mr. Bloom, um, if he's listening to this, we know, you know, incredible man and, you know, a great administrator, um, loves Hofstra. He's probably in your family of just loving Hofstra beyond and, um, and, and so thankful for him. Simon, let's get into some fun stuff. Let's get, we're going to come back to soccer shortly, but... You know, some athletes, some coaches believe in some form of superstition or some kind of ritualistic thing, game day. Um, are, are you one of those uh, folks, or, or, or are you one that doesn't get too caught up in that? Yeah, as a player, I always had certain certain uh, things I did to prepare, and and that's, that always followed me throughout. Um, I've always been told by coaches that you, you want to keep the same habits day on day, uh, game day. And that's followed me into the coaching realm. You know, I always wear shorts uh, during the fall, no matter whether it's 100 degrees or minus 20. Um, you know, once I decide to wear khakis, I'll wear them throughout the season if, it, you know, if I think it brings me good luck. I always wear a beanie when it starts getting cold. And we've got a 1,000 cats on campus, so if a black cat runs across my car... I reverse and drive around to a different parking spot, um, especially if I'm on a good run. Learning a whole new uh, area of Simon Ridioff right now. I hate cats. Oh, I like you, Simon. <laughs> uh, so, so you know, if I'm going on a good run and I see a black cat near my car, I kind of wait until it goes somewhere else before I drive. So. All right, a couple of quick other uh, tidbits of uh, what about Simon. So um, favorite dessert is what? I don't like dessert. No. I'm a savory guy, so nuts, chips, that's about it. Okay, and you're, if, you, if you can go on vacation next week, where are you going and who are you going with? I hope my wife's not listening. <laughs> um, the the uh, correct one would be my wife and kids. Uh, somewhere nice and warm, um, but I would like to spend a bit of time with my good friends and and get away for a week and then just get away from the r- rigors of everyday life. And I think 
we sometimes forget about that sometimes. And, you know, Zach, Wright, Ian Bauer, my best friend from England, Spuggy. I'd love to go on a on a, a, a few day trip with those three and, and catch up and have a, have a good time. So life gets busy, for sure, you know, in this, in this lovely passion we have called college athletics. But let's talk a little bit about the landscape of college athletics, Coach, because there's, there are some things going on out there. They're talking about amateurism, talking about student-athlete likeness and the landscape of college athletics. Um, I'm not going to load you with any questions specifically of the future of college athletics and, and, and get your opinion on any certain legislation or pending legislation. But kind of want to know, you know, when you sit back and you look at the future of college athletics, what do you see as maybe some of the challenges and maybe some of the opportunities for college athletics in general and maybe just specific to that of, of soccer? Well, uh, you know, I think in the soccer world, we the men's are really pushing and promoting a, a year-long cycle of uh, events. So that's going to add its challenges from the women's side perspective. We're not as fully on board as we as the men are. So that'll be a challenge if the men's do get passed. Obviously, the California legislation at the moment, um, I think that comes in 223. Correct. Uh, if it actually does get through all the uh, loopholes and all that stuff, I think that will will be a huge challenge for every university. I think the funding of it and the balancing, and you know, I think budgets are always tied to, especially at the private universities. I think it's gonna, it could be the end of college athletics as we see it, if it gets passed. Um, and then obviously it'll be a huge advantage for some schools who may be able to afford that and maybe attract players who, who can get image rights or whatever. And, and you know, that would, that would add a separation to, that, that would be a separation from the Power 5 to the mid-major and, and low D1s to D2, D3. So that will be an ominous, ominous future. And, uh, you know, what's not broken, don't fix it. I think college athletics is fantastic in its current mode. I think it's always evolving, but I think college football is fantastic, and I think the the mantra of what a college athlete is about, a student athlete, and the community service we are doing, and the the academics which we're pushing forward, and the APR and GPA restrictions are fantastic, and I think that's what makes college athletics special. I think when we start going the slippery slope of professional slash amateur, then I think. Uh, I think we're missing the uh, whole concept of what the original Ivies wanted athletics to be about. I, I think most of the mission of what um, legislators or politicians or and, and the NCAA and presidents are, which I think everybody's trying to answer the same question of what's best for student-athletes, what's best for higher education. I think everybody sees it through a very different lens. I'm going to hold my opinion for this podcast, and I'm going to actually talk about this in the future, but um, appreciate your thoughts on it. But certainly, um, you know, your value in, in, in the, the enterprise of student-athlete um, is admirable and, and appreciate the value you have in it. Uh, one final soccer-related question for me. Uh, people have always said your methods to your madness are a little different, you know, different than other coaches around the nation. You, you don't ever go out to assignment practice and, 
you're not practicing for four hours and they're not crazy grueling. You, you have a method to your madness. Where, where do you derive that from and, and how has it worked for you? Uh, you? You're always trying to learn from different people. And obviously, Richie Nuttall's a, unfortunately a mentor of mine. But uh, what, what he, he installed in me was the passion and, and energy and fun of what soccer practices can be. And then uh, Gary Buck, who's, who's obviously, from a technical perspective, a tremendous in, intellectual coach. So I've learned a lot from being around Gary Buck a lot. And then you just learn different things. And uh, I'm learning this year with Jerry and Kelsey being on staff. They're, they're, they're giving me a different perspective as well, which is fantastic from my perspective. And, uh, you know, I'm always a big believer that short practices are, are healthy practices. I think we burden our student athletes with a tremendous amount outside of soccer. And, you know, you've got to get a, a proper work-life balance. And I think we're trying to trying to do that sometimes it's too much sometimes it's too little but hopefully the 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 team appreciate my uh, consideration of their time and and then when I do ask them to to put in a little bit extra effort they're willing to do that well your model seems to be working I actually I echo Stephen's comments one of the things I found so impressive is is how you do have a very you know specific strategy of training and um, you know, there is a, a mindfulness about the longevity also of a season um, and also the um, and the professional world, as we call the onboarding process, you know, trying to get that transition from first first session to last, not doing too much too fast, the, the acclimatization period, so to speak. Coach, one quick question before I give some, some final thoughts. Um, if you had to give counsel, you know, soccer, club soccer um, in the States, is just so prevalent, and certainly on Long Island, we know that the culture and climate for a very long time, from, in my opinion, the 70s and 80s on Long Island, there's been a grassroots movement, and that has imploded into this very different thing than when you and I grew up playing soccer, and certainly when I grew up playing soccer in the 70s and 80s in Long Island junior soccer. What what advice do you give to to students and 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 uh, parents that are in this? craziness called you know the process of a college scholarship and and not losing sight of of, of truly the love of uh, of soccer what 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 messaging can you give to that community yeah uh, long island's an extremely driven place and it's surrounded by successful people everywhere i think i think parents should go into the into youth sports in in any sport with the uh, the idea that they're going to they're going to actually focus on the benefits of being in a team sport uh, and not not think of it as the end game, which is obviously ideally a college scholarship or a professional career. To me, you should go into it with what team sports teach: commitment, dedication, teamwork, friendships forever, relationships, teaching your children to deal with adversity. Uh, and preparing them for the real world, you know. I think, I think we're getting softer by generation, generation. And I think sports can help teach kids to to deal with a bit of adversity and get through some bad losses. And how can we develop them to to turn a negative into a positive? And I think if parents and players take that approach, 
then the good players are going to get into college and they're going to get college scholarships. But when you start chasing the scholarship, I think you're on for a bad bad end. And I think uh, you, you shouldn't go into sports for a scholarship. You should go into sports on what sports teaches and the ethos of everything which athletics is all about. And I think if you do that, game, uh, sportsmanship and all that good stuff, I think you by the end of your high school career you're going to come out successful whether you're playing college or not you're going to you're going to learn a lot in in those years and hopefully parents don't don't push the scholarship agenda too much uh simon just three more fun questions from me uh, first want to say you've been the uh, perfect first guest on the uh, director's cut uh, we thank you for joining us today but uh so at the end of rick's first episode i asked him some fun questions i'm gonna ask you some similar ones uh favorite professional athlete brian robson he was a england captain and manchester united captain when i was in my formative years 1981 to 89 you were calling captain marvel so uh and he, he was also born on my birthday as well so there's a an extra affiliation to him Speedy Claxon, born on my birthday. Another Australian legend is Speedy. Uh, Favorite restaurant on Long Island? It's an interesting one. Uh, Depends. I know know people like Cafe Bacci and Vincent's Debates. I like them both. Um, I don't really have a favorite. We we went to Swell Taco last night in Babylon, and uh, I really enjoyed that as well. So I'm pretty much on anything, to be honest. Uh, favorite sports team, professional, amateur, or otherwise, other than Hofstra women's soccer? Well, Manchester United and uh, and probably Barnsley FC are my two favorite teams. Locally, New York Jets, New York Islanders, New York Mets, you know, unfortunately. But you got a couple unfortunates there. Yeah, I know, but that's where they, that's Long Island's team, aren't they, so... Well, Coach, I want to thank you for for joining us today. Um, You know, one of the things I'm most thankful for for you is that you're the way you go about your business, both personally and uh, um, as a soccer coach, speaks to what I hope we continue to do at Hofstra. You raise the standards for yourself, uh, your student athletes, and and all of us around you um, in every by every measure. And uh, I think I'm enjoying sharing with everyone um, your greatness, um, partly because I know how uncomfortable it makes you feel, but also because I think it's important that we, we tell all of what makes Hofstra great, and that certainly is our people, and, and you lead that. And, and thank you for raising the standards for myself and everybody else and expecting us all to be the very best version of us. Um, and thank you for not only being an, a fabulous product of Hofstra as a student athlete, but as a representative each and every day. Um, and uh, it's been a fun time. Um, cheeseburger was the answer, and yet we didn't uh, mention a place that serves cheeseburgers. So uh, how, do you, how do you have your cheeseburger prepared? Yeah. Medium well, medium. Um, I like pickles on my uh, burger and onions, but my wife don't like onions. So... Uh, yeah, some you know all American in Massapequa. That's a, a, a legendary uh, eating establishment, and I think Jay Artinian likes that establishment. Probably too much. 
uh, but that's for a different story. <laughs> well, Coach, thanks so much, Stephen. Thanks so much. You know, uh, it's a great day at Hofstra, and um, I invite everybody to not only support Simon and our great women's soccer program, but we look forward to seeing you at the games um, often. Well, thanks again for tuning in to the Director's Cut with Hofstra University Vice President and Director of Athletics, Rick Cole Jr. We hope you enjoy our chat and our uh, special guest, Hofstra Women's Soccer Coach Simon Ridioff. Uh, as always, tune in to GoHofstra.com for all your updated news on Hofstra Pride Athletics and how to follow our teams on the road or at home. Go Pride! <laughs>